0: Welcome back to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I am your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. And today I have the amazing Dr. Tammy Chang. She is a physician, a pediatric hematologist and oncologist. We're going to talk about that out in Washington State. But today we're actually going to talk about um, something that's really important. And she's written about it specifically for women in medicine, but it, it absolutely applies f- to all women. So she wrote a book called Boundaries for Women Physicians. Uh, but we're just going to talk about it for for all women because it's so incredibly important. Uh, but gosh, Dr. Chang, thank you so much for taking the time to be here.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. It's such a treat.
0: Tell thank us a little you. bit about yourself and kind of your career and how you got started because it is a super interesting a thing that you do and you're an, an earth angel, I can already tell.
1: Oh, thank you. That's really kind. I... Oh gosh, how did I end up in Pete's oncology? I guess maybe is the yes. question the answer. Which is children's I, yeah. cancer. If in case you're like, mm-hmm. what is oncology? Hematology. On- Basically, you t- you treat kids with cancer, right? Yeah, and and then we found just out just now that you're in Nashville, and I moved here from Memphis because I was at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital before in Memphis, yeah. and Tennessee moved back Convention. home to the West Coast where I grew up. So, yeah. uh, I've been in love with Pete's oncology since I was a medical student, and so I think I always knew that I I wanted to serve and be a compassionate space for other people, but I didn't know how yet, right? As a mm-hmm. teenager and a young student, pre-med student, college student, and then a med student. So it wasn't until my fourth year of med school that I had a really special experience with a, a, a pediatric neuro-oncologist where I went to medical school at Brown in Rhode oh. Island, so another part of the country. And it was so meaningful. And I, I still remember that, that interaction. We were sitting with a young mom with her baby girl on her lap, and her baby girl had a brain tumor in their hospital room. And we were just sitting there with them. And there was something so special about that moment and interaction. And it just struck me so much at that time that I was like, okay, this is, this is what I've been looking for or searching for this or something. It, it yeah. felt like, it just felt, it hit me in my gut that, okay, this is the kind of space that I want to be in and be a part of and be of service to others. in, and, and so that's, that's really where it started and um, from that wow. moment.
0: And then you trained at St. Jude's, which is mm-hmm. they only treat pediatric cancer patients,
1: correct? And hematology, yeah, hematology, which and, is like sickle, sickle cell and sickle what, what cell. else? Like what else? Any blood disorders, so bleeding disorders like hemophilia, bone okay. marrow failure disorders so where the bone marrow stops working, and they have to get a bone marrow transplant. Oh, that is a thing. Yeah, we treat. That's what we do too, and we also take care of kids with like lots of clots who have a lot of clots with yeah. central lines, especially so. Wow. We do anything with blood and cancer. That's what we do.
0: So, I mean, it's not hard to imagine how you started seeing burnout and realizing it was a problem, right? I mean, you have an incredibly emotionally draining career. I mean, as I'm sure fulfilling as it is at times, it it you can't help but come home at the end of the day. I, I was telling her when we first started. I did. I did my. I did my ten-year stint in oncology in the surgical setting, and then I was like, "Can't Mm. do this anymore. I got to go do Botox." So, I mean, how? I'm I'm sure you just felt burnout almost every day. Is that kind of how you started looking at it through through your own eyes first,
1: or what? What took you down that path? Yeah, that's so. um, Thank you for sharing your your background too, because I think we just have an understanding of that world, right, by being in it. Yeah, it's hard. a hard world and the thing is we don't at least I didn't realize I don't even know what burnout was I think I yeah. was burned out for years and decades but I didn't even I mean I think we just put our heads down and we just grind through it right when through all yeah. those years and we don't realize how exhausted and emotionally exhausted we are but really what took me down this whole path of where I'm at I am today so I'm 10 years out of training now but it was mm-hmm. only three years ago that I I personally was a, one of those docs who hit rock bottom we hear about hear about us in the news now. Rock bottom, severe burnout, severe depression, and I was suicidal. And ready to just give it all up. I almost drove my car off of the cliff. And um I can talk about it with just I can talk about it easily now because I've been very open about it for almost I mean almost two years now. But it it certainly was very raw and very hard to talk about. Um for a a little time. And but I, I have now made it my mission to be part of helping heal all of us because the reality is so many of us within this and I'm just talking about this profession, but I think this applies to all of us. Yeah. um, In any profession is that we are there's a lot of us who struggle. There's so much stigma around mental illness. Asking for help is seen negatively certainly in in the medical culture still today. And so I just that's what started me down this path of how do I help my friends, my colleagues, my peers first, and then how do we help others through that process? So that's that's how I learned about all this.
0: Is there a certain type of person? I mean, I, I felt like, so when, when I was in cancer land and, and I was, I loved my job so yeah. much when I knew I was leaving my job, I cried every single day for like a month before I even told them, cause I was so devastated, but I knew I had to leave. I, I like, I could not do it anymore because in, in cancer or certain parts of medicine, not just necessarily cancer, but you know, my, my wonderful attending would say like, go, you can go, you know, go more part time. It's okay. And I was like, yeah, people can't be emailing you on a, on a Thursday afternoon, you know, that, Hey, my PET scan for tomorrow didn't get covered. And you're like, Ooh, well, I'm off tomorrow. And it's, you know, it's five o'clock, like, sorry, I gotta, you know, gotta go. There's just never, or Saturday morning. Say that you know, had post-op patients that would, you know, email or call if, if, if one of us was on call or had her page or whatever. And you know you'd still have to work through that whether it was sending them to the ER or to the hospital or connecting with a resident all of that you're you're doing things 24 hours a day 7 days a week whether you're on call or working or not yeah. and i wonder if there's a certain type of person that just like i could not hold a boundary i couldn't do it and i and so i knew like i have to leave this job i cannot hold this boundary for my family and i was having yeah. you know had another kid and i had a pretty major surgery my husband was was changing jobs and was out of town all the time. And I was like, I, somebody has to be sort of aware for our kids. And it just wasn't me. I mean, I, I was just, my brain was at work all the time. So is, do you feel like there's a certain kind of person that's more pr- prone to not being able to hold a boundary or is it just something that you have to learn?
1: Or both? I, I think, well, there's a lot of data to support it too. And I, I think this applies maybe to many of you, to all of us who are women, because we're there's a lot of data showing that we just we have a higher emotional IQ overall, right? And we have even higher levels of empathy, although of course there are so many men who can have yeah. this too. But that's why as a whole women we struggle more in these giving fields like healthcare or education or social work, right? Because we keep we want to give. We want to care yeah. for others. We're caretakers and we've been that way since we were little. We were raised that way. And so it's so hard. I mean, it is so hard to turn it off because it's so much a part of who we are. Right. And we haven't learned the skills and tools of of trying to create some gentle boundaries right around that so that we can protect our own energy and our own empathy. Yeah.
0: I mean, even as as moms, do you hear that from moms a lot that like there's no boundaries in in motherhood? You know what I mean?
1: Not at all. Yeah, it's well. And I think it's the it's those who are moms and trying to balance all these other things like these demanding careers that struggle so much. Right.
0: Yeah yeah doing doing both um do there's a wonderful article I think it was Wall Street journal about the emotional burden of being just being a woman like you're a the woman. you're the person typically the in the relationship load. that thinks about yeah the mental load
1: that's what the, yeah mm-hmm. have you seen that article it's so good mm-hmm. it's a really well written article yeah there's um a well months.
0: take us take us through your book a little bit. I'm sorry. Also y'all I, like I was sick last week and I feel like my
1: voice oh. just like squeaked. Well, and, and I, I, I have of, so many allergies, here. so I'm like coughing. <laughs> we, kind of we match it. Sorry. Oh, my sorry. voice just
0: cracked. Take
1: us through oh. your book. Oh, um, yeah,
0: Take us through your book and your kind of your strategies. And what do you talk to people about? I'd love to hear about it.
1: Oh, sure. I, uh, and, I, and I hope this is still this helps everyone, right? regardless of our industry. I think so much of it comes down to giving ourselves permission to take breaks and to say no and create boundaries because it's so opposite to how we've been raised. And one thing I like to point back to is that the concept of personal boundaries didn't even exist as a concept until the 1980s. And depending on when we grew up, The reality is at least our parents didn't grow up with this concept or or knowledge or understanding. That's super
0: interesting. The 80s is when the concept of boundaries came out? mm
1: -hmm, That's when it first came out. And it, but with like psychologists and therapists and self-help groups. And then 1990s was when the first Townsend and Cloud book came out on boundaries, which is what most Mm -hmm. people, a lot of people know about those books. And they've written several now since then. And they're excellent. And, uh, but it's, of course, I didn't hear about those books until I was in my mid thirties. Right. And I was really struggling and I certainly could have used that 35 years ago prior. So I, I just bring that up as a perspective because the reality is it feels so contrary, especially to us as women to do this stuff because we weren't raised that way. And do you remember the book? Nothing, nothing. I love Shel Silverstein, but do you remember the book, The Giving Tree?
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. such a good such an incredible book
1: it is an incredible book it was the number one book given to new mothers in the 1970s but the tree had no freaking boundaries the tree had no boundaries and it is is actually considered the most controversial book in children's literature today <laughs> for this reason because kind of when you said that i was like wait is it a good book is it maybe it's not no, a good but book but no, the tree of had have no a, boundaries right, well most of us had a positive association with that book because we grew up with it at least because oh, i grew up yeah. in the 80s my mom was of course a new mom, and I was born in '81, so it was shortly after that time. My mom was also an immigrant, so she had all that bag stuff, you know, on top of it. Yeah. And, oh gosh. Um, so, but I, I bring that up because the reality is, if we talk about women in today's generation, or the generation right before us, or the generation right before that, right, we're seeing a progression. Like we were all trained, we were essentially all socialized and raised a certain way with expectations and it's so ingrained so much of what we experience today is is what we we learned and picked up when we were young kids like before the age of five and so when we struggle with setting boundaries it feels like this emotional torment right or it can be a whole emotional all the stuff's going on on the inside and it's often very much related to how we were raised and what we. that's super interesting
0: and so if you think about us as millennials and obviously so our parents really didn't, wouldn't have had the concept of boundaries. And so certainly their parents wouldn't have had it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sure it just gets, you know, worse the the farther you go back. Um, And so when, when did boundaries, I mean, if, so that means in the eighties, if therapists were talking about it, I mean, it takes a while for things to kind of trickle down Mm -hmm. and especially you think about 35, I'm 38. So 38 Mm -hmm. years ago, there was no internet or social media. That's true. So it's we didn't like... have
1: internet. That's right. No. I forget that we didn't have internet then. <laughs>
0: we did not. You I seen applied like college on a typewriter. Clip? Did you use a typewriter? <laughs> oh girl, I went to typewriter. I went to the class with the typewriter. Like oh. I can type like a okay. machine because I learned how to type on a typewriter. Loved yeah. it, thrived. And when I started having to type notes, everybody was like, how do you type so fast? I'm like, well, funny yeah, story. Yeah. My mom made me go to typing class when I was in like okay. fifth grade. So That's I was you're so good at it. it. Exactly. <laughs> Such a good typist. But um, yeah, you think about there's this hysterical clip with it's like Al Roker and Katie Couric and somebody else mm-hmm. like in the 90s. And they're like the the Internet, like there's they're, they're talking about the internet, like, so <laughs> rudimentary. It's like, no, you've totally forgotten. We did not have email, social media. We had we had nothing. So that when new concepts arose, I mean, it would take years I'm sure if not decades yeah. for things to trickle down so somebody had to write a book and then the book had to be a good book and then they passed it yeah. on to their friends and I mean it would take forever for that so mm-hmm. I, I probably us as millennials and then what's the generation after us is it Gen, Gen, G- Gen Z and X, who, Gen Gen y, X is T- above us yeah and then oh, I guess Gen I, Z that would be like your 90s kids and then
1: there's Anyway, Wait, who are the kids now? I don't know. I've lost track. I think, the ge- I think they're Gen Z. Because I'm an elderly millennial. I'm like on the me too. top. I'm on the art. like, right in the, I'm 41. So I'm like right in the middle. Like, I don't feel like a millennial. I feel like I'm, I'm an older I person, what? the way my I brain know. works. <laughs>
0: I, I think I identify I with know. the millennials. I do. But yeah. it, it does upset yeah. me that I'm an elderly millennial. But it's going to be the kids in Gen to, Z you, that you, are, you are like. Oh, I don't know. But, but don't you think we're Gen bridge. Z is who's going to actually know boundaries and try to bring I them into their see, Well, I
1: see it in the young parenting. kids now. Even in the college kids and the high the school kids, they're talking about like mental health and self-care and resilience. And I'm like, yes, they yeah. <laughs> are doing something yeah. right. They're kicking up on this. But I, I, I view it as like the long game. I take the long view of everything we do. I know we're totally going past boundaries in the book at this point, but I view everything we're doing as it's a continuum, right? We're all part of this transition over generations of changing I and mean, making things better for each subsequent generation.
0: So let's say you're a millennial and you grew up with none of this. Um, where on earth, whether it's in your job or in, in motherhood and I just to validate everybody, like, first of all, it feels literally impossible at times to draw a boundary, whether it is in, with your family, with your children, your, your home tasks, your work tasks, how do you encourage people or how, how do people start? Like, how do you draw a, a boundary? Or maybe, I mean, maybe even start with like, what, what is a boundary? Like what, what do you consider mm-hmm. a boundary? People probably honestly don't even know
1: that. I didn't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the, the simple definition is it's just an invisible line mm-hmm. that, that de- defines what is ours and what is not. And I think especially for women, it's like, what is our responsibility and what's not?
0: Mm, What is your responsibility and what is not? And what is your time and what is is not? I'm sure there are, Mm -hmm. you know, as as a person with a family or a a person with a job, I mean, if somebody's paying you, like your time may not be your time. if, If it's nine to five and they pay you for 40 hours a week, but Mm -hmm. What, what is your, what is your time then? Is it outside of that? And you, you have to think about that and, and talk about that and negotiate that and really, really all of it. Um, it's, how do you even talk about what's, what's your time and what's your responsibility? Mm -hmm. How do you decide that? So if you've been following DabbleCo and me for any length of time, you know that I'm super careful with anybody that I endorse or any partnership or brand here. So the goal is always to share evidence-based medicine and things backed by actual science with our audience and our followers. So I was thrilled when BetterHelp approached me to do a partnership with them. So thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is an online platform that connects you to counseling in an incredibly convenient and affordable way, which I think are the two biggest barriers to counseling, access and affordability. So I was actually really surprised when I looked up their rates for counseling. They were a third of what I feel like I've ever heard and what I've personally paid. Um, It solves both of the problems with literally the click of a button on the Internet. So I have personally seen the benefits of counseling I know firsthand how important it is, and I know it plays a crucial role in mental health. So check them out, and they will know that I sent you, and you'll get 10% off your first month of counseling if you head to betterhelp.com slash dabbleco. Um, so it's super easy, betterhelp.com dabbleco. Thanks, guys.
1: I know. Well, one thing I, I found, and I'm a, I do a lot of coaching now because that's partly what helped me. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's what saved me uh, in my darkest times and a lot of therapy and a lot of coaching and then becoming a coach along the way because it helped me so much. And I was like, I want to learn this amazing skill. So along the uh-huh. way, one of the most powerful coaching tools is, is to use metaphor. And so it helps us kind of tap into that creative space of ourselves. Where we spend so much time in our left brains and it's we all have a creative space within us, no matter our age, right? And There's a creativity and the spark that young mm-hmm. kids have that we still have as adults, no matter our age and what, what phase of life we're in. And so what I love about met- this metaphor, I, what I like to just give us is a simple metaphor. And, and actually, the if you look at, there's now been like, a bajillion books written on boundaries. Thank goodness. I'm so glad. And there's like one for, so one for everyone, right? Yeah. And, I've and read at least two. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so saying. glad. And they're all going to be a little different, right? And yeah. so we, we all have to just find what resonates for us. And so one common theme that we see, and I use this metaphor too, is like just our home, our house, right? And our property. And whatever is on our land and our space and our home and our property inside our little picket fence is ours. Mm-hmm. And then okay. whatever's right outside. It's not like it's the the street right outside our house. We can see it, but it doesn't have to be our responsibility. And so I start helping people go, all right, what belongs on the inside of that fence? And that means time. It could be energy. It could be actual tasks and activities or initiatives or things you do. Certain people, not everyone is a healthy person in our lives, right? So it, it yeah. can extend all different kinds of things. And it's it's thinking about what belongs on the in, your inner circle, what belongs in that that. Um, That safe space that we've created for for each of us. So it is allowing ourselves to be a little creative and maybe less literal in that. But Mm -hmm. knowing the whole point is to take care of ourselves like we would something we really love, like our home or our yard or garden. Right. And to really take care of it, it's almost like there's the physical aspect of it, which is literally how are we taking care of our garden, our home? Is it cared for? Are we taking good care of it? But what is it like on the inside? I that to me is another metaphor for our emotional being and our mental well-being, our spiritual, spiritual well-being on the inside. So how well are we taking care of all those areas of our house on the inside? Are there certain rooms that we're scared to go into because they're scary or there's creaky or there's like for me, I think I find basements to be very scary. So (laughs) like I don't yeah, go with them. Fair. Right. But stuff like that. So, um, that's what I start helping people do initially. And then, then I, I think another big piece is figuring out, helping people to sift through what our priorities are and our values are and our purpose are, because those are often things that we haven't had as much time to really sink into, uh, in our, our lives become adults.
0: So if you're th- thinking about your responsibilities, like what's your actual responsibility, but then Kind of the next thing would be, okay, yes, I have to do all these things because they're my responsibility, but what do I value most? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes those things don't jive, right? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I have to do all these tasks, but that's not really what I, I value. So you help people kind of discern yeah. what is valuable and, and needed, or how do you work through that? Yeah. I mean, how? what do you feel is your
1: top core value? A couple of top core values.
0: Gosh, I mean, like me personally, or like me, I'm, I keep thinking about mm-hmm. things from like a family perspective. I mean, like in my personal life, I mean, I value loyalty, honesty, um, you know, I don't know. I, then I'm going to little things mm-hmm. like, I don't know, being on time. Like I really value being on time, uh, but I also value my sanity. And so I have learned, I've been working through letting go a little bit of that, like I was in a place where I was letting like time control my life um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and would get like really upset when I wasn't on time to things. But, mm-hmm. um, but then do you mean things that I like,
1: what do I value? Like what I'm doing during the day? I don't know why this is so hard for me to answer. It's hard for most people to answer unless we spend a lot of time thinking or someone helps us do it. Right. Cause it's hard to do it by ourselves. So, but yeah. I think you also said a lot of themes that seem to run together because I hear the loyalty and the honesty and I almost wonder that being on time to you shows loyalty, right? Probably. Responsibility, Probably. like being, being accountable for someone, showing up, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. that I get the sense that that's really important to you and to be authentic and honest. And um, mm-hmm. I also heard you say family many times, right? And for many of us, that is our priority. That is yeah. the number one thing. Like it's about our family and um, showing loyalty and honesty and authenticity with our families. So it's it's like figuring out, What are those things that we can't live without?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And also understanding when those things are not being honored in our lives, there's something just feels, something feels off or we're upset or frustrated or angry. We don't know why. It's often because a core value of ours that's really central to who we are is not being honored.
0: Wow. Okay. So how, what if it's like your job and you have what it feels like are responsibilities but you, what, what do people do? How do you help people when they don't know how to draw a boundary at work? That seems, that can be really hard. I get your family. Well, family can be really hard too, but mm-hmm. uh, there's probably more of a fear. I would assume with work to draw a boundary because, you know, you're not trying to get fired. Like my kids cannot fire me. It's, that's just how it <laughs> is. My husband, I guess, technically could fire me, but
1: I know, but I guess our kids knows need better. Us,
0: right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then then the kids would have to try not to fire him. So he's like, Oh my God, please. You know, I'm like that employee, please don't leave us. Um, but yeah, your, your kids can't really fire you. So, but that gosh, that Mm -hmm. might make it even harder to draw the boundary, but no, let's talk about work first. Like how, how do you Mm -hmm. walk people through drawing the boundary, um, with work when you have a genuine fear that me drawing this boundary may lead to me getting fired?
1: Well, Here's the thing. If, for instance, if you're, t- you're one of your top core values is family,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then that ha- you have to find a way, we have to find a way to honor that regardless of the work. Right. And, oh. and here's the thing. I, I think also, too, at this stage in the world right now, it is, a, it is a buyer's market. I mean, there's short staffing in every industry. And so the reality is, all of us can find some kind so of. So true. Work it may not be the perfect job, you know, not that anything is ever the perfect job, but the reality is that we have so many options. Right. And if of, if a workplace or a work environment or culture, cause I think it really comes down to culture. It, it almost doesn't even matter what the industry is. It's like the culture of that workspace. And it's usually like your immediate team or your immediate supervisor and the people you work with, the people you're with every day, right. They yeah. af- ultimately define your experience of your work and life. And so are do they value what you value do they do they honor your values as in like if they really are treating us as a, a collaborator a partner in this work you know, like a, a real team member they are going to care about honoring our values too and so if they're not honoring they, like say I I might say say I go in and say my core value is is family and they don't understand or make space to honor that for you as in allowing you to go home to pick up your kids or making allowing you to get to a soccer game or a, a, a dance recital or a concert right because yeah. um, that's important or being able to get home on time to cook dinner and be with our family because that's like the most important time together right in the evening mm-hmm. if if they don't honor that then it may not even be the right place for us long term wow well, yeah which no, is a hard it's thing. So it's true. Hard thing to recognize. And the reality is I, I totally am speaking from a place of of choice and a pl- place of privilege because I, I do believe, I do know that all of us, no matter where we are at in society, like we have options, but we may not always feel that way. And so I'm speaking from a place of knowing that we have more options than we we realize often.
0: Well, I think it's it's helpful though for other people to to hear that. You know, I think. We feel like there aren't options often, yeah. um, and for some people, that gosh, that um, that may be true, and I, I hate that. But the reality is, I think that's an interesting point. You know, it is a buyer's market, like you said, but mm-hmm. there probably are other options, um, whether, and no matter what that looks like, you know, um, I think that's my my company that um, helped co-found with a, a physician, and that's a big part of why she started it and runs it the way that she does, you know, she's a woman in medicine and Mm -hmm. was in an internal medicine clinic and then took call for a nursing home on the weekends and felt like her schedule was never her own. Um, she's got four Mm -hmm. kids. And, and so our, our company, you know, a huge thing that's important to us is flexibility with everyone on not just our corporate team, but our, all of our people that work for us are contractors. And, um, and it is because that's one of her core values, you know, is family um, you know, we're really flexible with that, with that stuff and, and so glad that we're able, you know, to be able to offer that to our employees, but, yeah, yeah, um, but it, but it's, it's hard. And, you know, there's days when you're like, Oh, I wish this person wasn't out at this time. Cause this is when I need to have this meeting, but also we all, I think are able to step back and realize, but that's going to be me, you know, next week. And I'm so mm-hmm. thankful that it can be me and I don't have to be sitting here in this office, you know, from nine to five specifically every day.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, okay. So we talked about work a little bit. Let's talk about motherhood or family. It doesn't even have to be motherhood. I mean, you can draw boundaries with your own parents, your siblings, your cousins. I know she's making kind of a cringy face, like,
1: well, I, it's only because hard. <laughs> it's only because it's a really sensitive topic for I think so everyone, sad. right? Oh, <laughs> so, and I get it because it is I'm that way too, and we because we're not taught that way, right? And we're it's almost right. like we're we're encouraged to not have boundaries because it's like oh, but it's our family, we drop everything for our family, of course right. we do, and <laughs> we also to a point to a point, but uh, and it's not and it's not but but it's and we also can create healthy boundaries for all of us, ultimately, which allow us to love each other that much more and to have a healthier space for all of us.
0: So that, I don't know if this was the original book, but that that book with the red cover and it just says, mm-hmm. it's just boundaries, is that... Who- that's the, the Townsend OG. and Cloud
1: book. they talk about it's, these boundaries. I think the first example was like a mother in law or something yeah so so my mother in law
0: actually gave me that book oh, wow. um, and it was really good and and I love the way they describe boundaries as actually being loving like you are you're mm-hmm. being loving by drawing this boundary because you are protecting and preserving that relationship, yeah. which, without boundary, is gonna eventually get destroyed, you know, if, if the boundary needs to be there. And I thought that was so, I mean, I had never thought about boundaries much before I read that book, but, um, I just thought that was so interesting because I think the way it's presented to, especially in a family setting to most of us is like, no, you don't have boundaries because it's family and family can tell you anything. Family can say anything. You should drop everything. You know, it's family, like, kind of like you were saying, but, but Mm -hmm. really to have our boundaries with family is to, knowingly preserve, um, that relationship that you love by saying like, Hey, I actually, I cannot do that. This, I cannot have you come visit right now. Like I cannot, whatever it is, I don't know. So how would you kind of guide people and and help start with like a family boundary?
1: Yeah, that's, it's one of the hardest night. I love, I, I love that your mother-in-law gave that to you. Yeah, it says she a lot did. about it says a lot about your mother-in-law. <laughs> she she had just
0: read it and she yeah. was like, This is so good. I think everybody Ugh, should read so it. because she was having a hard time herself. Of course she was. Um and it and it was it was really I think it was really great um, for everybody that, that mm-hmm. read it. Um, but it certainly was very educational for me. But yeah, I thought it was great. Y'all, let me tell you about my absolute favorite home store of all time, Celadon. So they have everything from dinnerware to pillows, furniture, they even have jewelry. And yes, it's located in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, but their website has everything you could possibly need and they ship anywhere. So Celadon has like a laid back but curated vibe and no joke, almost every piece of furniture in our home has come from Celadon. So if you're in Charleston, definitely stop by or visit them online at celadonathome.com and because they are awesome, they gave me a 20% discount code. So check them out and use code dabble code 20 for 20% off that's celadon at home.com
1: I start by helping each of us just I think there's often it's helpful to use specific examples right there might be things that are specific things that are driving someone crazy or causing stress or distress right and then we talk about all right so let's, let's mm-hmm. look at the situation perhaps with a, a parent or a mother in law or a sibling and what about it is bothering you, right? And then we also bring it back to the core values. It's I always bring it back to the core values because we may not have the same core values as everyone in our family, right? And so uh, what what is it about mm-hmm. the situation that's really pushing our buttons in a certain way or, or making us feel this way? And then we brainstorm together what needs to happen. And so is it a boundary that we ourselves have to make? Is it something that we need to have a a conversation with the other person? And usually it does, right? Because it involves another person we love and care about. But helping them also to understand the why behind it. So because the reality is if we are able to explain from a loving and compassionate place why we're asking for something or we need something, and we also pull it back to our you know, my family is really important to me. Or for me, for instance, my top core value is joy. And then it's love and freedom. And so if something's Mm. not honoring one of those three things, I'm not like, okay. (laughs) Right. And so I'll bring it back to that and use that language with a love, with, from a loving place. And when we do it with, with love and compassion for Mm. ourselves and the other person, if the other person really does love us, they're going to understand Right. If we do it in an angry way or an accusatory, way. um, I like. Oh your no, no, core it's not a competition. <laughs> I do.
0: Well, it is a little bit because I'm like, oh, honest joy sounds more fun than well, honesty. Well, here's I'm like, I you don't that. need to change your core values. Here's what i want to share.
1: I forever thought that <laughs> my core value, top core values, were compassion and service, for years decades and then i hit the rock bottom right because i couldn't stop being compassionate and being of service to other people because i thought that's what i was meant to do i was meant to serve but there's no end to serving right Right. and what i've come to realize and learn and understand now is that joy is absolutely number one for me and then love is number two but love like how i express my love for other people is through compassion and service but also compassion for myself which means i have to stop right when it's too much So it's, it's, a. that's so, how did you get there that like, how did you
0: reevaluate? What do you do? <laughs> sit down and like, write it out? I'm th- thinking I have to like, sit down and write this out. Like, how do you figure out, You go from a place of me thinking like, mm-hmm. yeah, I really value like honesty and integrity and whatever. And I'm like, wait, no, but well, I also... I really value just joy and family. Yeah. How, like, here's, how do you it's shift all, I do all the yeah. coaching and
1: I, I trained at the Coactive Training Institute, which has been around. It's one of the oldest coaching schools out there. But I mean, I think there's a lot of similarities among a lot of different coaching philosophies. One question to ask is, think, and I for your listeners too, is, is think about the peak experiences yeah. in your life. Like as in the times when you were mm-hmm. most alive, you felt, I mean, like peak, like mountaintop, right? Like when were you at your best? Mm-hmm. You were most alive. You were most, you were happiest. What is that? You don't have to answer it now, yeah. <laughs> but something to think about. I'm like, oh gosh. There's there so are. many different
0: ways to answer that. Yeah. 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 There's different, there's definitely, there's like different periods of my life where I'm like, well, I was,
1: and probably for different reasons, you're happy for different reasons at the time, but and yeah. Okay, helpful yeah, to do then and, and really okay. take the time to think about what are the connecting threads and themes between each of those moments? So there might be very different experiences. Are, are they with people? Are they not with other people? Are you, what age were you at? What were you doing? Was it outdoors? Was it inside? Mm-hmm. What were you, you know, what kind of state were you in um, there? Those things matter because then you'll see, for instance, my, my peak experiences were, the outdoor leadership program that I did in college and being part of a group of 10 women doing a 10-day back mm-hmm. or seven-day backpacking trip together. Right. And there was that feeling of camaraderie and joy and freedom and just like love, right? <laughs> and that, for instance, that that was for me. And then another peak right. experience for me is I've been volunteering for years as a, a camp doc at a cancer camp in Colorado. And I love it. And you know, what my favorite times are on the dance floor with all the kids and their parents get to come to the family camp. And then at the end of the zip line, when they get Get off the zipline yeah. and they are just like beaming and like laughing and often crying and so happy and proud and like so nothing happy. makes me more joyful and full of love and expresses freedom to me like that freedom of being on a, on a zipline as a kid and realizing you can do something really scary right so i'm tearing up talking about it because these matter so much to me and that's what helped me understand yeah. what joy love and freedom yeah. you know I, I still have i have four five six four is courageous integrity five is empowerment and six is growth to me and so I think four, five, and six are also, they're like the the secondary partners to my one, two, and three. But uh, but to me, and I have them on my wall. I mean, they're always right in front of me. I have them written out here because I keep them with me all the time. But I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. so just thinking through those peak experiences, right, can really uncover values that we didn't even realize we had.
0: Supplements and vitamins are just a part of so many of our daily lives now. So how do we know what to choose in a brand? My family personally uses Thorn. Thorne has partnerships with hospitals and universities across the country, including the Mayo Clinic and Charleston's own Medical University of South Carolina. You can order any Thorne product through me when you create your account at thorne.com/u/dabbleco, and you'll receive 15% off and free shipping on all your future orders. When you create your account, you will just be prompted to confirm DabbleCo as your referral and the discounts applied in the cart after you create your account. Again, that's thorn.com slash U, like the letter U, slash DabbleCo. And you can also find the direct link in the show notes. And then, And then you have to explain, I love how you said, you know, when you're setting the boundary, but you have to talk to the person about why. And I think that's probably, I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm assuming that's probably where the miscommunication or the breakdown Mm -hmm. happens. You know, if someone's trying to set a boundary, it probably comes out as, Hey, you can't do that. Or you, we, you know, I don't like this or I need help with this or whatever. When we probably typically don't take the time to sit down and say, Hey, You know, I'm thinking about, um, just family stuff. It kind of comes to mind first because I know that's really hard for people, but Hey, this is something I'm really struggling with. And I feel like this is a boundary that I need to set because, you know, and here's why, because I think when people understand where you're coming from, it's so much harder Mm -hmm. for them to reject that idea, um, or, you know, not understand it or misinterpret it, um, it's just really hard to even explain. It's probably really hard for people to even start explaining why they need the boundary to exist well, in the first and
1: place. I'm also a Crucial Conversations fan too. So um, I, I view it like the reality is we just share from a loving place what's going on for us, like the story I'm telling myself or what I'm noticing mm-hmm. is this. And I think that this would really help because X, Y, Z, And then we ask the other person, what's going on for you when this is happening? What can I do to make this better for you? So it's not all about us. It's like, how do we make this better so that we can really nurture our relationship? Because it's usually with someone we really love and care about that we struggle the most with, right? Making, setting some boundaries.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's definitely, it's definitely harder because you don't want to mess up that relationship and. You know you love that person, and especially with family. When you, it's just ingrained that oh, we don't have boundaries because it's family, and you can say whatever and do whatever. And that's just that's just not true, and it's not healthy, and it's not loving. Um, and with spouses, I have the boundaries in marriage <laughs> book. I haven't read it yet. I, <laughs> I, I to, own. I've
1: read that one. I own. i read, read boundaries for leaders. I think I even read the one for teenagers at once. Oh. <laughs> thank goodness, there's one for everybody, and. Um, yeah. And that's why I wrote this book specifically. It's, it is geared toward women physicians because there's a lot of like just specific things in med. And I, I think ho- hopefully it's helpful for, for nurse practitioners and PAs too. It's very similar to this work, right? The same kind of job yeah. Um, tasks and things that we go through and demands on our time. So I think it's helpful just to have, have a friend share it from a perspective that hopefully will resonate right for each person that's out there.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love that. I think I think having boundaries and even just having examples, you know, that's why there are so many boundary books. Is because, yeah, there's the the bigger you know overarching message, but then like you said, having really examples of what that would look like is so helpful for people. So that makes sense that there would be a, a boundary type book for. I mean, every every profession or every kind of scenario that you can Men think of. Too. Um, and women in medicine is a hard one. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. leaders, f- physicians. Um, I mean, like you said, really all of it, but yeah. specifically women in medicine, it it is a really unique position. Um, and and for me, you know, I always I will just say this like selfishly enjoyed not being the physician. There's something really freeing about knowing. Yes, I, I did my best and I did, you know, m- my medical diagnosis as best I could and with the knowledge that I have, but ultimately I don't have to fully make the decisions mm-hmm. and everybody's in a different position. Yeah. There are some people Quite that, you know, mm-hmm. practice pretty independently, but, um, just where I, with what I was doing, I, I liked having someone else mm-hmm. make the final say, you know, it takes a, a weight off. There's not as much of a pressure there. Um, and, and then there's all kinds of different Angles like women positions, you know, you're constantly having to try to prove yourself in a different way, and you know you're held to a different standard, and it's just, it's it's harder, I think, for Mm -hmm. women to draw those boundaries. I mean, I see it with my with my colleagues, and um, see it all the time. It's it's just it's harder um, because you start, you know, you don't start with a leg up. Um, You start. With people assuming you're not going to work as hard, so they, or you're there's be there a lot or of and,
1: um, implicit bias yeah. about us, especially for mothers. That that's that work is not our priority; our kids are our priority. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Kids, our kids are our priority. <laughs> so deal, <laughs> right? <laughs> we're right. still incredible what we do, yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah.
0: It doesn't yeah. mean that I'm not good at my job. Wow. Not promotable. It just means that that's you know, right. if there's two I mean, emergencies, we're just gonna come first, our family, yeah, because they're
1: that's our I mean, priority, you're... and I mean, imagine well, if more men felt that. I think that there way. are some men you know, who imagine do, if... and they—they. They, I think men struggle with another kind of, of of pressure, right? To, they and and so I, I have deep right. compassion for my male colleagues because they. I have many colleagues and friends who want to take time off and or to have a minimum three months of the parental leave, or work part time, but they feel this pressure to work full time, right? So Uh, because they want to be more their families more and it takes a strong person to push back up against that but what I think is really wonderful is that I think all of us in this space over time we are making it better because ultimately what we want is more freedom for when our kids get to where we're at now right like we don't want them to feel the pressure at least I don't want them to feel the pressure of what we feel like we have to do because that's what we've always been told we have to do
0: yeah yeah perform and have no boundaries and all of that. Um. Well, gosh, Dr. Chang. Okay, this isn't so great. Where, where oh, can people find you? I have two you?
1: websites: Tammy Chang, T A M M I E Chang, MD. That's my personal coaching, book writing platform. I have a podcast too on leadership and stuff like that. And I also have a platform for women physicians called PinkCoatMD.com Together with my Brown College mm-hmm. Medical School classmate Louisa, who is a wonderful human being. So I think you both would really like each other
0: oh that's awesome well thank you so much for being here um and guys this was such a good episode share it rate it as always um if you liked this episode please subscribe and share it with your friends because that's how i continue to get great guests and i'll see you next week